Oh my god, I'm chills. What happened? Oh my god. Oh, I just can't. What? <laughs> oh my god, that is petrifying. If y'all, oh my, no need to fix the bangs, not making it any less scary. If y'all are on YouTube, you can see these scary ass masks that Rach has on. <gasps> she really startled, she surprised me with this one. There you go. But it's kind of chic, the bangs. Yeah, I love a blunt bang. And the brows aren't horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all pretty horrible. Oh my god, I had to. You're like you're you're mouth breathing. I thought you were gonna be like, you sound weird. You do sound weird. Oh my god, because it's so hard to breathe in that thing. Oh my god. Next. Okay. Charlie well. put it on the other day and it was hilarious slash terrifying. Frightening. Yeah. I remember I put that thing on um in front of my dog and he went, ape shit. Oh yeah. Hello nice. everyone. What's up everyone? How you doing? Great? Great. Happy almost Halloween at this point. Oh yeah. Excited for your story. Today is Rachel's story. She's telling Rebecca and all of you, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a doozy. You think you know, you think you do, but you don't. Okay, well, can't wait to hear about it. We are also waiting momentarily. You're on Enters' plea. Uh-huh. So if we stop mid-story and we're like, holy shit. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get those Google alerts. So Euron has a um, hearing today, Wednesday, October 18th. Happens to be days before what would have been Natalie's 37th birthday, which is so crazy. That is crazy. But he's expected to enter a plea deal to which he has to tell what he did with Natalie and how he um, disposed of her body. I'm a little like, meh, he's told it time and time again. Well, like, lies on lies on lies. How can we? I mean, they do say that FBI has to corroborate it, but I'm like, how? Unless he. I do we know. have boots on the ground in Aruba, like ready to go? What, th- what are they going to do? I have no idea. I'm very intrigued. I know, but Beth is supposed to have, um, is supposed to speak after the hearing and make public what he said. And um, her attorney said something like, it'll all make sense once you hear what Beth has to say or something. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. And that's at 1030. It's 1015 AM right now. Yeah. I, I'm kind of like me too, because yeah, he's lied 1500 times, but I don't know. I feel I'm hoping we're past the like, here's what I do with her. Just kidding. That was a lie. Like, that's not going to fly anymore. So stay tuned. We will definitely be posting about it later. Um, Yeah. Real quick. We are. I just want to shout that we're on YouTube. Apparently, people didn't know this until my last story when I was like, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll point out where Norris Cut is on our hand. People people came to our YouTube and was like, you're on YouTube? Yes, we are on YouTube. And you just mentioned if you're on YouTube, you'll see that mask prank I just pulled on Rebecca. So <laughs> yeah, we're on YouTube. Um, just letting y'all know that. Patron shout outs, Victoria, Amanda, Melanie, Jackie, Kara, Sean, and Sarah. Hey, welcome. I know. Wow. Hey. Um, we also got a lot of free patrons, like a free level, which I haven't seen. I don't know what that is. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for joining. I don't know Thanks. what you get. I don't know. Maybe what you, just, yeah. I, don't I know. think you just, any posts, I guess, that we make public you can see i don't know interesting never seen that but we've gotten a lot of them 
I also have a custom shout out from Christina. Hey girl, it says, I'm looking to grow a small dream. My husband and I started a blog about our family travels and we would love any support. Check us out at four, the, the number four tickets to the number two, anywhere.com Four tickets to anywhere.com. I looked at it. It's good. They're toting two kids around the world. I <gasps> cannot imagine. She was like, you got to have some wine or, or wines involved or something. It was so, I was like, duh. Oh my God. That's amazing. We took our kid to Europe last year, our um, one and a half year old and he rocked it, but I can't imagine too. Oh my God. How much two. fun. Good for you. They have tips and they share their itineraries. It's really good. And they also have an Instagram of the same name Four tickets to anywhere Four and two are numbers. That's so, amazing. Check it out. Christina. Love it. Jet setting jealous. So jealous. My God. Those kids passports probably have more stamps than mine do. Yeah. Okay. This week, I, Rachel, have an Australian case for Rebecca. I can't just, I, I, I hope you don't know it. Oh my God. Okay. Sources 60 Minutes Australia, crimelibrary.org, a medium article called Rapists Walk Free for Too Long, mm. nzherald.co.nz, CBS News, All That's Interesting, New Zealand Women's Weekly, and mamamia.com. A lot of sources because I have never seen so many conflicting facts. Wow, fun. Thanks for nothing. I'm just kidding. Most of the like the big details obviously are consistent, but there are little things that I'm like, I hate this. when stories do that. And and not necessarily wrong facts, even though there were conflicting facts. There's some where a very reputable source, like I think um, nzherald.co, um, New Zealand Herald, seems reputable. They would say one thing, but no, a pretty big thing. And no one else would say it. I'm like, right. well, that, that seems like a really big thing to leave out. I don't know. It, I was like digging for the answers, but I think what I have is damn near perfect. So great. I can't stand when I'm researching a story and there are things that are just off with every single source I go to. It's as if it's like the game of telephone. One person got it wrong. So then this podcast got wrong. Then this article got it wrong. Then that. It drives me bonkers. Right. Well, that's why I tried to stick to the, I mean, 60 Minutes Australia, crowdlibrary.org. Come on. I tried to stick to the good stuff, but yeah. I, I think I, I did it just fine. I haven't even said what I'm doing. I'm telling no. Rebecca about Natasha Ryan. Let's do it. Natasha Ryan was born in Rockhampton, Queensland in 1984 to parents Jennifer and Robert. They called her Grasshopper because when she was a baby, she wouldn't crawl. She would just hop. Cute. Isn't that so cute? Yeah. The thought of it. The That's thought right. of it. Yeah. Jennifer and Robert eventually got divorced and Robert got remarried. So Natasha lived with her mom. She was really close with both of her parents. So she took the divorce hard and developed into a pretty difficult teenager. Sure. By 1998, when she was 14, she started smoking pot, experimenting with drugs. She had run away a couple of times. And she also started dating a 21-year-old milkman named Scott Black, which is Creep City Johnson. How old is she? 14. Uh-uh. Nope. Uh-uh. Don't like it one bit. 21 years old. You should not be attracted to a 14-year-old in the least. That's repulsive. Okay. No. So he was a milkman in 1998, which I find very interesting as Yeah, well. that seems late in the game. I didn't Real know milkman existed in my lifetime. So I think we did have them when we were born. Okay. Like when we were infants in the 80s yeah the 80s. 80s so someone confirmed milkman in 1987 i think so i don't remember it but anyway 1998 seems late in the game scott had apparently dated her older sister too at one point no 
Mm-mm. Mm-mm. On August 31st, 1998, Jennifer dropped Natasha off at school per usual, but Natasha didn't come home from school and her mom learned that she was marked as absent that day. So she never even went to school. She called the police and even though they're pretty certain it was a runaway situation per usual with teenagers who go missing, they're always runaways. Mm-hmm. It prompted a huge police and SES search. SES search is state emergency services. It's a volunteer organization that helps with rescue services. Okay. So there's a big search underway. Two days later, there was a sighting of her. Someone reported that they saw her playing video games at a movie theater and eventually got in a car with a man. Being her boyfriend, because he's a grown man and she's a child. A grown ass man. So police talked to Scott, the 21 year old dating the little baby. But he had no idea where she was. They searched his home. They found no indication that anyone had lived there. They also surveilled his house, talked to the neighbors, talked to coworkers, everything. Nothing. They searched his home and found no evidence of anyone living there? Of anyone else living there. Like, you would think a 14-year-old girl would have clothes or something. No, yeah, absolutely. I thought you said anyone living there. I was like, hmm. Oh, I meant anyone else living there. Yeah. Very much a bachelor pad. So they really couldn't find evidence of anything suspicious going on there. It was almost a month before the news started reporting on her disappearance, but now police are singing a different tune, expressing grave fears for her safety. Mm -hmm. The last time she had run away, she came home after two days. So they're like, this is not a runaway situation. Her mom even said, I don't believe Natasha would have let me go through all this pain if she was out there. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that too. By May, 1999, almost a year later, her family started accepting the fact that she was likely dead. Another reason they were certain foul play was involved was because her disappearance came during a time where there was a serial rapist and murderer terrorizing the area. His name was Leonard Frazier. He was known as the Rockhampton Rapist. I'm going to tell you about this little piece of shit. Leonard Frazier sounds like a rapist. Sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry if your name's Leonard out there. It's just, I don't know. It's rapey. Well, he is rapey, so hold on to your effing hat. Leonard was a career criminal and rapist who eventually escalated into murder because his jail sentences were so light. My God. His calling card was to come up behind women on the street, twist their arm behind their back, force them out of view, rape them, then make them hold hands with them while he walked them back up to the street or wherever and let them go. (gasps) Is there a plan... Is there a plane landing on your house? Yeah, they've been circling. People are uh, next door. Like, is it the runaway inmates from? Uh, From Mike and Jennifer? Jennifer. Mm -hmm. One of the inmates who escaped in Georgia is named Jennifer, which is (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) If you're ever wondering what the masculine form of Jennifer is, it's Jennifer. (laughs) It's Jennifer. And he's hiding somewhere in probably North Georgia. Okay, it's passed. Okay, thank you. In 1974, he was arrested for two rapes and was sentenced to a maximum of 22 years in prison, which he only served seven. Soon after his release, he pretended that he was interested in a car that a woman was selling. He got into her house, twisted her arm, upper back, the the whole thing that he does. This time, he somehow got her to call her husband (gasps) mid-rape. And he grabbed the phone and said to the husband, I hope you're not going to kill me. I just wanted to prove a point that someone could... Break in and rape your missus. What? Screw you. Prove a point. No yeah. one, who, who's challenging you on that? No, right. everyone knows you can do that, you piece of shit. Ooh. Guess how long he got sentenced for that one? 
Oh, he was caught. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was caught. Um, zero. Two months. Shut up. Two months in jail for that one. But he reoffended. He was let out <laughs> early and reoffended immediately, and that's that's all you got. He clearly didn't let, learn his lesson after seven years. I know. What the so, hell do you think is going to happen after two months? Right. So now it's about 1982, 1983. He met a woman named Pearl and they started dating and they ended up having a daughter together named Missy. I think this was his longest stint out of the clink, but it didn't last long because when his daughter was two, police came and knocked on the door, said they needed to speak with Leonard regarding another brutal rape that had happened days before. Oh my God. They ultimately arrested him and he was sentenced to 12 years in prison. A prison psychiatrist called him an, quote, untreatable psychopath. There you go. So let's stop releasing him. Yeah. Pearl, Pearl had no idea about his criminal past, anything. Oh, wow. what, a, what a blow. They're just like sitting at home one day. <gasps> You've got a baby with this monster. Poor Pearl. Yeah. While in jail, a woman with terminal cancer started writing him letters and visiting him. No. I know. When he got out in January 1997, he went to live with her. Things turned sexual, of course, until he became very violent. Obviously. Oh, poor woman. Use your very limited time elsewhere. Well, she finally escaped him when she had to go to a hospital in Brisbane for cancer treatment, and he followed her and raped her in the hospital chapel. Holy shit. New type of evil. Cruel. How cruel. You are raping a terminally ill cancer patient. There is. Yeah, she ended up dying six months later of cancer. Oh, my God. After that, in 1998, he moved to Rockhampton. Okay, remember Natasha went missing in August 1998. Mm. In the months following her disappearance, several other women went missing. Julie Turner was 39 years old, and on December 28, 1998, she left a nightclub and was walking home when she disappeared. Beverly Lego was 36 and was last seen at a bank near the Rockhampton Mall on March 1st, 1999. On April 17th, 1999, 19-year-old Sylvia Benedetti was last seen at the Rockhampton Mall, and she disappeared. Five days after that, on April 22nd, 1999, a nine-year-old girl named Kira Steinhardt disappeared while walking home from school. Oh, no. Kira's story is really sad, but it's a key part, so here it is. Oh, damn. An eyewitness named Lynette said she was sitting on her front porch and saw Kira walking when a man came up behind her and hit her on the head. I, she had seen this man with Kira before. I think this was her normal walking route. And this woman lived like right across the street from it. She, she saw this man kind of lingering around Kira, I think, in the days before and just figured it was her dad or something because nothing weird happened. But then this day, this uh -huh. happened. She was like, oh, that guy was stalking her. Kira fell to the ground into some tall grass where Lynette couldn't see her anymore, and the man fell on top of her. A few minutes later, the man grabbed Kira, who was unconscious, and put her in the trunk of his car. Lynette is seeing all this. Lynette's watching the entire thing and then waited 20 minutes to call the cops. No. Why? She was scared. I don't, I'm like, she I don't to care. to see it play out? Like, what is she doing? She was scared. Sorry. <laughs> You're an adult. You think you're scared? Right. Think about that nine-year-old girl. Exactly. I'm, and I really, I get when people like, you don't know what to do, but I'm like, you're, I, I'm not telling you you have to run over there. I kind of think a lot of adults would have. I, I hope I would have, but call the cops. Do something. You have the luxury of him not being able to see you. You can see him. 
He'll never know. Just run in, call the cops, say I'm watching this happen. He can't see me, so he's. I'm also like, you you have something in that house. I don't, it may not even a gun if you don't have it. Grab a baseball bat, bat grab something, go fucking catch that guy from behind. I'm sorry, you're the adult. There's a baby, or at the very least, call the police. I get you don't want to attack some violent rapist, but go get someone who does, and those people are the police. Well, she does call the police twenty minutes later. So by the time she did, they were long gone, obviously. But with her detailed description of him and his car, they were able to find him and arrest him the following day. Leonard denied having anything to do with it, so they questioned his roommate or flatmate. As Kiera wasn't says. with them when he was pulled over, I'm assuming. No, of course not. It, they, it was the following day. He would have been driving for days, or I mean for hours. I know, I was hoping it was a hostage situation and not a murder situation, but sounds like it's the latter, so... Um, he denied knowing anything about it, so they questioned his roommate or flatmate. And she said that the day Carol went missing, she went for a drive with Leonard. Leonard stopped the car at a bush track near Rockhampton's race course and told her not to look at what he was about to do. Okay. I Leonard. guess, yeah, I guess not one to take direction. <laughs> she watched him pull what she said looked like a blonde doll out of the trunk. Oh. I know. When Leonard saw the roommate watching, he dropped the doll, I'm putting in quotes, <gasps> came back to the car and punched her in the face through the window. So she looked straight ahead for the rest of the time. Oh, my God. Police found traces of blood and hair in his trunk, so they sent it off to a lab for DNA testing. The DNA came back, confirmed match to Kira, and they also found another unknown female DNA. Mm. As they continued searching for Kira's body, an employee from a local hotel called them after making a horrifying discovery. He walked into one of the rooms and the carpet was wet with blood and there was blood all over the ceiling and walls. Horror movie. Yeah. God, this guy really doesn't have an, like a real MO. He just yeah. rapes. Yeah. Yeah. There were also bone fragments in the carpet. Ew. So they took that DNA and it ended up matching the unknown DNA in Leonard's trunk. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe there was just one unknown DNA of a woman that they found. Get anyone who's missing, it's this guy. Yeah. They didn't know who it belonged to yet, but since the other DNA was confirmed to be Kira's, Leonard did finally confess to police that he killed Kira, and he even led them to her body. She was de too decomposed to determine an official cause of death, but because of the advanced decomposition around her neck, they're pretty certain her throat had been slit. Oh, man. Leonard went to trial for the rape and murder of poor little Kira, where the judge said that he could see no reason to think that there was any hope for Leonard to be rehabilitated, and in November 2000, sentenced him to an indefinite life sentence, which, unlike a life sentence in Australia, where he could automatically apply for parole after 15 years, with an indefinite life sentence, he'd have to apply through a parole board and the Supreme Court, both of which would have to agree that he's no longer a threat to society, which sounded like that was never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So essentially, he's in jail forever. Finally. I know. It only took his taking a nine-year-old as right. victim. God. Right. So poor, sweet Angel Kira's case is solved, and she got justice, but they still had to investigate the four other missing women. Again... Julia, Beverly, Sylvia, and Natasha. Mm -hmm. In Natasha's disappearance, police started to suspect the last person who saw her alive, which was her best friend, 15-year-old Mayoha Tokatawa. Tokatawa. Tok yeah. It's a cool last name. I know. 
My OHAB moved to Rockhampton from New Zealand around the sixth grade. He was pissed. He did not want to leave his old school and his friends, so he started rebelling. He and Natasha became really close. The two of them, along with a couple other friends, started doing drugs and just experimenting. They surveilled his house 24 hours a day until they had enough evidence to arrest him. I don't know what the evidence ended up being. He's 15? I think they're going to, at this point, he's 16. Wow. I think they're probably getting a lot of pressure to solve this because I, I don't know what the evidence was. And why they suspect him in, to begin with, because he was the he, last he, one to yeah. see her. Yeah, he was last one. She was one going to, to school. So, yeah. Okay. Makes but sense. She was, she was seen two days later at the movie theater, too. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so they did gather enough evidence to arrest him, and they did it while he was in English class. No. In front of everyone. <gasps> the teacher started crying. I bet. That's scary. Isn't that scary? And if and humiliate it's the least of his worries at this point. You're being arrested for murder. But as a 15-year-old, humiliating. Humiliating. Oh and totally caught off guard, obviously. Oh man. When they arrested him, he told them a story that he hadn't told anyone yet. Oh my God. The week before Natasha disappeared, the two of them went to one of their usual spots to go get drugs from two older men. One of the men was Leonard Frazier. Oh, Jesus. After they got there, Leonard and the other man attacked them. And the last thing Maya remembers is a needle going into his arm before he passed out. They raped him and Natasha watched the entire thing. <gasps> raped him? Yeah, they raped him. Oh, and God, she... he really has no MO. God, he's just a monster. Okay. Yeah, she, Leonard put the needle in his arm. The other man raped him. Oh, Okay. Natasha was powerless and didn't know what to do and I think was on drugs and just like had to watch. Oh, God. A week later, she was gone. So he was pretty sure that horrifying event had everything to do with it. Mm -hmm. They clear Maya and as if they weren't suspicious before, now they're confident Leonard is responsible for all of the disappearances, including Natasha's. At this point, the population in Rockhampton is under 60,000 people. So for five women to go missing in less than a year, I mean, one of which did turn up murdered and so sad. Right. Very unusual. And this, mm -hmm. now this piece of shit's living there. They're like, okay, Leonard, yeah. you've got nothing to lose now. You're in jail forever. Right. Tell us what's up. He denied any involvement in the other four disappearances, but then he got chatty with his cellmate, Alan Quinn. Alan was in prison for fraud. He was also a career criminal who had been in and out of jail for a year. So he and Leonard actually knew each other from being in the system together. So wait, he's a career criminal and he's in a cellmate with a murderer? Well, he works out. He wants to be a cellmate. I'll, I'll get there. Okay. Leonard. So Leonard and Alan know each other. Leonard trusted Alan. So he started confiding in him um, about the other missing woman. I guess their friendship meant more to Leonard than it did Alan because Alan immediately went to the cops and told him. <laughs> he then it's a bummer when you figure that out. I know. So I think that was he started confiding him in him while they like went for walks in the jail yard. But so when he went to the cops and told him, he convinced the cops to wire him, make them cellmates, and he would get Leonard to confess to all four murders. Wow. Okay. Ballsy. I know. Well, I'm, there's something in it for him, too, obviously. He's like, obviously. But... Get me out of here. Uh, the cops had exhausted every single lead, all of which were dead ends. Plus, they didn't have any bodies. They didn't have any crime scene. Like, there was nothing for any of the four women. So they're mm. like, sure, let's do it. Yeah. Over the next two years. Wow. 
Alan is secretly recording their conversations, and Leonard told him all the horrifying details of how he killed Julie, Beverly, Sylvia, and Natasha. Oh, my God. You have no idea where this is going. Oh, okay. He talked about how he told Alan about how he did it by knifing them, in quotes. And with Sylvia in particular, he said he bled her like an animal. Oh, gross. And he said he did it in the same local hotel where the employee called the police with the blood all all over the place. And it matched the unknown DNA in Leonard's trunk. This confirmed it to be Sylvia's. They did confirm. So they're like, okay, now we're linking stuff. Oh, okay. He also also told Alan that he met Natasha at the movie theater. She asked him for a ride, so he was like, sure. He attacked her in the car, then drove to a field where he murdered her under a mango tree and then buried her on some, like, huge piece of property. Mm. While it was all informative, the cops were like, no, 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 we need him to say where the bodies are. Right now, these are all just stories. Yeah. Detectives went to Leonard, and they said... We have you on tape confessing these four, to these four murders, and they used it as a bargaining chip. They knew that Leonard desperately wanted out of the general prison population because of how the other prisoners treated child rapists and murderers. <laughs> okay. He was like, I'm not being treated great here. Right. Because you're a child rapist and murderer. Yeah. I, yeah. That's going to be the case at any prison, I would think, there, Lenny. There is, but he's not asking to move prisons. He wants to be in protective custody. Screw you. You don't get a say. I I know it's a bargaining chip, and I know they're going to probably grant it. But these violent, disgusting, vile humans always seem to have a preference on prison life. There's always a a qualm with their living conditions. And I'm like, go to hell. And is it against the rules for the cops to go into the prison and be like, hey, he's about to get protective custody, so we're going to walk away for a few hours <laughs> do what you will because he's out of here we'll be back <laughs> and we'll be back and Good luck to you 45 minutes <laughs> do what you will whatever you want get it out of your system because he's out of here because they agreed <laughs> to put him in protective custody if he confessed and told them where the bodies were so mm-hmm. he did he admitted to killing all four women and he drew a map of where to find them Surfers had already found the partial remains of Sylvia's body on a nearby beach, but police never found the rest. They found skeletal remains of both Beverly and Julie in a bushland area, which is woods, essentially. Mm -hmm. I believe this is one of those facts. I believe Julie's head was missing. Oof, That's one of those facts where it was in some sources, not in others. And I'm like, that seems like a big one. Yeah. But I think it was. Despite drawing several maps of where he buried Natasha, they could not find her body, but it was enough to charge him with her murder. With this confession, Natasha's parents finally held a memorial service in her honor on May 14, 2001, three years after she went missing and on what would have been her 17th birthday. As they're building their case for trial, police searched Leonard's apartment where he found they found several trophies, including three ponytails he had cut off his victims none of which belong to the four women we've talked about or five women we've talked about. I'm sorry. Holy shit. So there's obviously more victims out there that we don't know about. Yeah. In April, 2003, Leonard went to trial for the murders of Julie, Beverly, Sylvia, and Natasha. During the trial, Natasha's dad, Robert made sure to get there early in the morning and sit in the exact same seat. So when Leonard walked in, he had to look right at him. Oh, on the 12th day of trial, they were preparing for more witness testimony. And they took their daily recess for lunch. 
during that break, the prosecutor, Paul Rutledge, brought Robert a phone, Natasha's dad. When he picked it up, a voice said, I love you, daddy. It's Grasshopper. <gasps> oh, my God. Stop. It was Natasha Ryan. They found her, not her body. She was alive. <gasps> Chills for days. The prosecutor immediately announced to the court that charges against Leonard for Natasha's murder were being dropped because Natasha was, surprise, alive. <gasps> oh, my God. Apparently, earlier that day, an anonymous letter was sent to the police station that said, if you call this number, you'll see that Natasha Ryan is alive and well. It was seemingly true, so they contacted the prosecutor mid-murder trial, and he had Robert identify her by asking a question only Natasha would know. And the question was, what's the private pet name I've called you since you were a little girl? And that's why she said, I love you, Daddy, and it's Grasshopper. <gasps> Holy shit, what happened? Okay. So now, instead of watching her murderer be convicted, they were on their way to the police station to be reunited with Natasha. She just... Oh. My God. Came back from the dead. Couldn't you imagine being that, those parents, you had a memorial service. Memorial service, a confession. You're in the 12th day of trial. You're just like waiting for that guilty verdict. Can you, oh my God. I need a second to let that sink in. What that would be like. How I long can't. has it been since she's missing? Five years. Oh my God. Wow. This is going to be, is this going to be like a Tanya situation? Okay. Okay. Mm. Um, why, why don't I just tell you the situation? Okay. Natasha had run away with her then 21-year-old, now 26-year-old boyfriend, milkman, Scott Black. Pedophile, and, Scott Black. And for the past five years, she had been hiding in his house. The first four years, they lived about 45 minutes away, but then they moved back to Rockhampton. So for the last year, she was less than one mile from her mom's house. <gasps> Oh, Natasha. Whenever anyone came over, she'd hide in the bedroom cupboard, which is an armoire. The only time she'd leave the house was really late at night and she'd go to a nearby beach. What? Just to like get out of the house. Oh my God. The neighbors, Scott's friends, nobody knew anything about it. The neighbors even noted that they never even saw women's clothing on the clothesline. Like, no evidence of her being there. No indication. Cops even searched his house. Yeah. She was in the cupboard. Uh, that or, when they searched his house, it was in the original house. It was 45 minutes away. I don't know what the, uh, where she was hiding there. If Natasha was on her period, she would cut up bath towels to use as pads. So Scott wouldn't be seen buying tampons or pads to say they kept a low profile is the biggest understatement. Like can't even buy God. tampons or pads. Natasha's dad, Robert, was too relieved to be angry and told Natasha he had a million questions, but they'd work it out and he'd love her. I mean, oh, and that he, he, and that he loved her. Yeah. Yeah. Natasha's mom was not as forgiving. She was pissed and said she hated her. <gasps> oh. She hardly wanted to see her, but when she did, she said all the anger went away. Natasha was sobbing and said, I'm sorry. And she just melted, I'm sure. Yeah. She told them that she ran away on her, her own accord, not under the influence of Scott, the adult. In I, her life. I seriously doubt that, but okay. She was just angry at life, at school, everything. And by the time it became news, she was too scared to go home because she thought she'd get in trouble. She said that the lie just became way too big. So she just kept hiding. Good God. In a 2007 interview, though, she said she'll never publicly say exactly why she left and that her family doesn't even know all of the reasons. Ooh. 
I know. What does that mean? I wonder. Well, I'm wondering if something was happening inside the house or my Oha's story may have been real. I don't know. Well, there's a few things. Uh, so on April 2nd, 2003, when she heard that Leonard Frazier was on trial for her murder, she called a children's helpline. I don't understand what the plan was here. She told them that her name was Sally and that she was living with her boyfriend, but a man was about to go on trial for her murder. So I don't know if she was like seeking advice to see how much trouble she'd be in mm-hmm. if she came forward, but probably the counselor counselor relayed the message to the police, but they couldn't trace the call. Not long after that, the police got the anonymous letter on April 10th, 2003. They busted into Scott's house and found her hiding in the cupboard. They noted how extremely pale she was because she hadn't seen sunlight in five years. Right. They kept they kept the curtains drawn at all times. She just stayed inside and like she had like oh, an God. exercise bike. She got on the internet. Like, wow. Wow. To say Australia was pissed as a nation is an understatement, too. Mm-hmm. And in the 60 minutes, the head of SES, the volunteer service, said that he hasn't heard of any sympathy for her in the community. He noted that it was a huge waste of time and money reporting that they spent about $500,000 on the search. Wow. Kira Steinhardt's mom, Teresa, said that Natasha needed a good slap across the face for putting her family through that. Wow. If she willingly did that, if that's true. I mean, yeah, I'd be pissed too. Uh, I mean, mixed emotions here. Cause I'm like, she's a 14 year old girl. When does, at what point does the adult in the relationship say, okay, no, 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 no. You need to go home. You have no idea what trouble you're about to get in. Like um, you're, you're going to get arrested for. Right. Yeah. She was a willing participant, but she was groomed. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. So impressionable 14. Right vulnerable mm-hmm. age but yeah i mean she went willingly he didn't kidnap her but yes i think she was groomed but yeah. um there are other questionable facts coming up hold up okay 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 so this revelation threw leonard's trial into a frenzy and natasha was subpoenaed to testify that he in fact did not murder her so essentially she's testifying for the defense Oh my God. Like one of the murder victims is coming for it. It's yeah. just to testify bad. on the defense. On the or behalf def- of the murder. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. The tactic was if he lied about this, he's lying about the others. But I mean, no, there is cold, hard evidence of the others. So yeah. that didn't, it didn't work. Yeah. During the trial, Natasha's high school guidance counselor said that the week before she disappeared, Natasha had come to her distress because she found out she was six weeks pregnant with Scott's baby. Mm-hmm. The counselor then noted that it was really hard to tell when Natasha was lying or telling the truth. So she didn't know if she was telling the truth about that. However, two of her friends, Maya being one of them, and Ebony testified that she told them the same thing, that she was pregnant. Natasha said that is absolutely false. She also said that the story Maya told about meeting Leonard for drugs and the attack was not true. She had never met or heard of Leonard until he was on trial for murder. Oh, what? That's interesting. Why lie about that? And yeah. the pregnancy thing, she said she never said that? Yeah, she said no. Okay. Well, she I had was... her period, clearly, at Scott's house regularly. Had, so. Yeah, she actually went on to tell the cops that she had her period for 18 months, the first 18 months straight. That's not normal. Again, and, where's the adult bag? You need to go to a doctor. Enough's yeah. enough. Yeah. So she was like, I never missed a period. I certainly wasn't pregnant. I was constantly on my period. Yeah, hemorrhaging, actually. Yeah. Golly. 
So who knows what's true and what's not. Yeah, but she said she had never met Leonard. On May 9th, 2003, after a little more than a day of deliberation, the jury convicted Leonard of the murders of Sylvia Benedetti and Beverly Lego and the manslaughter of Julie Turner. Since they didn't have her head, they couldn't determine exactly how she died, which is why he got manslaughter, which is weird as shit. So what? He decapitated her. Yeah. Do, do you, need us? Need we say more? Come on. Again, that was in a very reputable source and no other source. So I'm like, what? Why wouldn't y'all mention that? Yeah. Actually, two of the sources said that. Okay. As the verdict was read, he yawned and stretched his hands behind his head. He's just like, oh, yeah. man. I mean, he rapes children and cancer patients, and I, nothing surprised me with this guy. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit. The judge sentenced him to three indefinite, oh, this is a gut punch. The judge sentenced him to three indefinite life sentences, saying that he was an untreatable psychopath, again, with a brutal, brutal desire for middle-aged women down to children. Ugh. His yep. oldest victim was 39 years old. Oh, <laughs> let, me get, let me get one thing straight. His oldest victim was <laughs> in her 30s. That is not middle age. That judge. is not middle age make judge. <laughs> Back off. Y- you are an untreatable psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a dick. How dare you? Natasha and Scott were both charged with causing a false investigation, which did not require jail time, but Natasha had to pay a $1,000 fine and Scott had to pay a $16,000 fine or she paid the $16,000 fine. Again, you sources, y'all got to get together. Scott was also convicted of perjury for lying to the police and sentenced to three years in prison, but only served one. A lot of people think she should be in jail, which she does not disagree with. She said she deserves to be punished. She feels oh, wow. really bad about the whole thing. She didn't know there was going to be such a massive search. She had not. Of course yet. there is. Like, I, I, I know, but she's 14. I know, I know. Or was. Natasha's dad, Robert, ended up cutting off communication with her after he had been so relieved. He just wanted to know why and apparently couldn't get a straight answer. So he was like, then we're done. Mind you, that's from a 2006 article, so maybe they've patched things up. I don't know. But at at the time of that article, they had not spoken in over a year. Oh, my God. They think Leonard confessed because he loved the attention. He wanted to be like a notorious serial killer, and Natasha's disappearance was such big news. He was like, sure, I'll take credit for that. Oh, God. On December 31st, 2006, Leonard Frazier died in prison at age 55 after going into cardiac arrest. In 2008, Natasha and Scott, who were 24 and 31 at the time, got married. No. Isn't it? Th- 24 and 31 is fine. 14 and 21 is not. No. Do you understand? Wait, wait. So, what, how old again? 20. So in 2008, they were 24 and 31. They got married. Oh. They, were, they reportedly sold their wedding pictures to Women's Day for $200,000. They also sold the rights to their story to a media company for $120,000, which is how 60 Minutes got an exclusive interview. Oh, my God. I guess in Australia, they don't have the stipulation of you can't benefit off your crime type thing. They now have three kids together and live a very quiet life. Still in Australia? Uh, uh, As far as I know. Obviously, they have no social media, nothing. They get, mm -mm. they're they're very, um, people don't like them. People are upset about this. In order to get all those deals, they hired a celebrity publicist to shop around. Oh, I'm not God. loving it. I don't I, love it. 
I don't love that um, a 14 year old was probably groomed into thinking that was a good idea, but um, she's an adult now. Now she's an adult. And, and by the time all this happened, she was very much an adult. And I'm like, well, I mean, you're, you're full on benefiting and that money is not going to pay back the investigation fees. So uh, yeah, no, mm, I don't know. I would probably live. I would probably lay, lay, lay low too. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Ew. But also cut ties with this. Y'all got in a sticky situation together. Y'all made some bad decisions. And I, I agree. I think in, at least initially she was a victim. She's 14. Yeah. Mm. You send her home when she runs away for over a day. You're yeah. done. Like you're an adult. You know that you're going to get in trouble. It's going to be whatever. It's a very bad idea. But you he's can't... also an adult who's attracted to a 14-year-old. So something's already off with him. Obviously. Um, but now they're married with kids. That's, uh-uh. Isn't that uh, insane? Once you grow up, you're like, that's one of those things like, ah, holy shit, I can't believe I dated a 21-year-old when I was 14. And you never speak to them again. To grow up and marry that person, let yeah. alone what y'all did. You were in hiding with them for five years. Like that, oh God. Ooh, I feel dirty. I want to shower. Um, I know. Um, so, and then I read that my OHA, and I think it was New Year's, 2017 he and his boyfriend were out and someone attacked them and i think murdered the boyfriend like threw him off a bridge it was oh, a gay no it was a gay hate crime from a man who was straight married with kids and hit on the boyfriend the boyfriend was like no and <gasps> and the guy like lost his mind isn't that sad that infuriates me i couldn't find an update okay. on that because he has a very common name but the article right after it happened he was on life support it did <gasps> not sound good Oh, oh God. isn't man. that sad? That is really sad and infuriating. And Mioha got away. Um, yeah. Obviously. Okay. Yeah. So that is the story, bizarre story of Natasha Crazy. Ryan and the piece of shit Leonard Frazier, who ended up having nothing to do with it. Crazy. But he is a piece piece of shit yeah. nonetheless. Sure. Wow. That was a good one. Okay. I have to shower now. Yeah, but because there's so many dirty gross pieces of shit yes ew thanks for listening everyone thank you you are the best people are the worst bye, bye.